This recording was produced by Green Lane Masjid. For more information on the activities and services the mosque provides, please visit www.greenlanemasjid.org. I mentioned already a few times who the Banu Israel are. Often in Surah Al-Baqarah, they are synonymous to the Yahud. But Banu Israel are not only the Yahud. Some of the Nasara, some of the the early Christians were also from Ben Israel. So it's not specifically just the Yahud, although most of the time when the Quran is speaking of Ben Israel, they mean uh, it means the Yahud, but it could also mean the Nasara as well. But when uh, that's why there's this distinction. You have Ben Israel mentioned in the Quran, which usually most both of them, but then you have a distinction between Yahud and Nasara as well. Um, so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us. Uh, more and more about who the Yahud were in the past and Prophet Muhammad sallallahu and his Sahab are being told about them and I mentioned why because they are coming into contact with them in Medina and most of these ayats if not all, most of Surah Al-Baqarah if not all of it are revealed in Medina so uh, last week we mentioned the verses where they said uh, we won't believe you, O Muhammad, because we have our own faith. So they said, uh, we will believe in what we have, but we will not believe in what you have. They said, we will believe what has been revealed to us, and they will deny that which has came after. And that is a claim they make. They will say, we believe in the Torah, we believe in Musa, but they immediately denied Isa, and they denied Injil. Right, the first people to deny Prophet Isa were the Yahud. This is why, uh, in the Jewish tradition, Isa or Jesus is not considered a prophet. They don't, they don't believe anything about. They don't believe that he's a Rasul. Um, nor do they have, of course, the the extreme belief of the Nasara as well. Similarly, and they also denied Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. There is a verse that actually uh, highlights this quite uh, well in Surah An-Nisa, when Allah subhanahu wa taala says, "Inna ladina kafaru thumma amanu thumma kafaru thumma amanu thumma kafaru thumma zdadu kufra." Inna ladina kafaru uh, in Bi Musa, they disbelieved in Musa. Thumma amanu, then they believed. Uh, in a, how did they disbelieve in Musa and in the Torah by worshiping the calf? So they were believers. They are saved from Fir'aun, but Allah calls them then in the kafaru. They disbelieved when al by worshiping the calf, right? So they disbelieved. Thumma amanu, then they believed by making the tawbah. They repented. ثم كفروا then they disbelieved again بعيسى when he was revealed ثم ازدادوا كفرا بمحمد and then they had more kufr on Muhammad so the ayah goes إن الذين كفروا ثم آمنوا ثم كفروا ثم ازدادوا كفرا so they disbelieved in Prophet Isa they also disbelieved in Prophet Muhammad صلى الله عليه وسلم and what's the excuse their excuse is listen we are Yahud we follow Musa we follow the Torah and Allah is now holding them account to what they said so you claim you follow the Torah if that's the case Allah said, فَلِمَ تَقْتُلُنَ أَنْبِيَاءَ اللَّهِ Why are you killing the messengers? Does it say in the Torah to kill the prophets? Is your book telling you to kill prophets because you killed Prophet Yahya? You tried to kill Prophet Isa alayhi salam. And now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was mentioning other things uh, uh, that they have done that goes against their beliefs. Even the week before we mentioned some of those things. Here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is still mentioning more. And this is why Allah said, بِئْسَ مَا يَأْمُرُكُمْ بِهِ إِيمَانُكُمْ how evil is that which your supposed faith commands you? You're supposed to be followers of Prophet Musa. Look at all of the crimes you're doing. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala it carries on. 
when Allah posed the question, we left it off last week when Allah said, if you were such good people and believers and you're holding fast to the Torah, then why did you kill all those messengers? Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is reminding them, don't you dare claim that you are followers of Prophet Musa. And it is indeed true that Musa brought you the clear signs. So even when you brought Musa, when, when, we, when Musa was sent to you, that you claim, Jazakallah khair khair. When, when Musa was sent to you, you denied him. You didn't only deny him, you denied his signs. What are these clear signs? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned in Surah Al-A'raf, Allah gave Musa nine signs. And the scholars, they say these were nine specific signs, but they were more than that. Wallahi, if you go through the Prophet's story of Prophet Musa, you can't imagine not believing him. Allah mentions that among his signs were, if you go back even to the time of Fir'aun, well the first one comes to mind, you know what, let's make this quite interactive. Who can tell you one of the signs or the miracles of Prophet Musa? What comes to mind first? The splitting of the, of the sea, right? And what device or thing was used to do that? His staff, right? Al-Asa. That was one of the first signs, Al-Asa. It's mentioned in the Quran quite often. One of the first things when Allah said to him, وَمَا تِلْكَ بِيَمِينَكَ يَا مُوسَىٰ قَالَ هِيَ عَصَايَ And the staff, the miracle of the staff, is not only that it turned into a serpent. That's one of them. So, and it ate and destroyed the, the tricks of the sorcerers, right? That was one of his signs. Imagine seeing that and not believing. Anyone that has any good in him cannot see that and then walk away. They must believe. And that's exactly what happened to the sorcerers, right? They immediately believed. We believe in the Lord of the worlds, in the Lord of Musa and Harun. They immediately believed. And they were killed for it. Fir'aun killed them. So the first sign was the staff. And the staff had miracles in itself. The turning into a serpent. Jazakallah khair. The splitting um, of, the, of the sea. And also, we mentioned another one. Which was, when he would, yes? No, we're still talking about the staff. There's another miracle aspect, a miraculous aspect of the staff. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says to him, hit the staff on the stone. And the scholars say, this was a stone they used to carry around. And whenever he hits the stone, then water would come out. Water would come out. That's the one of the splitting of the sea. It started pouring water. Or fajarat in Araf and Surah Al-Baqarah. So the staff turned into a, a snake or a serpent. It gave water to the thirsty Banu Israel and it split the sea. Of course, all of that with the permission of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then you had the hand that he would put in his jabe and it would come out uh, uh, bright and white. And then you have the, uh, the drought that happened to Fir'aun. Uh, right? The sinun, the, the drought. Then you have the tufan. Uh, you have the, uh, the, the, the tests that the people of Fir'aun went through Such as uh, the river becoming blood Or the locust And the, um, the frogs And all the tests that they went through them, the, the signs All of these were signs pointing towards Prophet Musa should be believed and followed Specifically, those, that's all signs related to Fir'aun After they are saved they literally see the sea splitting open. They walk through it. Fir'aun is destroyed. Right after that, 
they came upon a people that were worshipping idols and the Banu Israel that were saved from Fir'aun said to Musa, can we have some idols like they have idols? Immediately, they didn't even take that long. And then he reprimands them and tells them, no, you can't do this, worship Allah alone. Then Musa goes to receive the Torah while he is gone, receiving the Torah. This is when they create the calf and they start worshipping it. Right? So Allah is reminding them, don't you dare claim you are followers of Musa and Torah. وَلَقَدْ جَاءَكُمْ مُوسَى بِالْبَيِّنَاتِ And indeed, verse 92, indeed, uh, Musa came with to you with clear signs. And what did you do? ثُمَّ تَخَذْتُمُ الْعِجْلًا Afterwards, you took the ijl, the calf. You took the ijl as what? As a, as a god. But Allah doesn't even mention that. It's, it's so disgusting that Allah doesn't even want to mention it. And remember when you took the ijl. Took the ijl as a false god. The crime of shirk is so heinous, so bad, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't even want to mention his details. But the summa takhatub al-ijla ay ilahan. Wa antum dhalimun while you were the wrongdoers. Wallahi Allah so merciful, Allah forgave him, right? And so and we, we mentioned in earlier verses, Allah after he did this, thumma afawna ankum min ba'di dhalik. Allah forgave them. But Allah is reminding them now to destroy their claim that they are followers of Musa, they are not. And they are holding fast to the Torah, they are not. Then Allah is mentioning another thing. Don't you dare claim that you follow the Torah. Remember, when we took the covenant from you, Allah says when we, Allah is referring to Himself, took the covenant from you. And we hovered and held the mountain of Dur above you. We already mentioned this. In a, previous, uh, uh, in a previous lesson, because Allah mentions first in earlier verses, when Allah was telling us that Allah literally took the mountain of Dur and hovered above the Banu Israel, and they were told to believe. Right? They actually saw that. And Allah is mentioning here again to say, if you were followers of the Torah, that wouldn't have been necessary to begin with. And even when that was done, what did you do? And we held the mountain of Dur above you. And we said to you, Hold on to that which we have given you. The, 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 the Torah. Hold on to that which we have given you. With strength, with might, with certainty. Hold on to it. Don't let it go. This is also a command to us, by the way. But instead of the Torah, what are we supposed to hold fast to and hold strong to and not let go? The Quran and the Sunnah of the Prophet. Allah is saying, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, hold firmly to that which we have given you, hold it firmly. And one of the things that we see today is people are not holding it firmly, they are not acting upon it, they are not calling towards it, they are not saying, if it's in the Quran, I don't care what you have to say. But this is when we, we have to be people that, Umar al-Khattab has a beautiful statement. Umar al-Khattab has a beautiful statement, he says, right. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave us izzah through the Quran. Our honor is through the Quran. You hold firm to the Quran You follow the sunnah of the Prophet وسلم, You will be The way the sahaba were People of, 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 of izzah and dignity And wallahi The only reason the ummah of Islam is, Doesn't have the dignity that they had In the previous generations Is because we left acting upon the Quran and the sunnah And that's what it is What's the main difference right? The more people leave off the salah The more people leave off the, the masajid the more people leave off learning of the deen, the more people leave off learning about who Allah is and His rights, and the more people go away from the deen, 
only thing that gave you dignity to begin with was you following the Prophet And Banu Israel refused to do that. And Allah is telling them, we told you, خُذُوا مَا آتِنَاكُمْ بِقُوَةِ I want you to imagine this. You are being told this while the, uh, the, the mountain is hovering above them, literally. Literally. They are about to, they, they're probably thinking they're going to die. And whenever, right now, let's say something dangerous happens, you want to hold on to something, right? Like, imagine like an earthquake happened. Immediately you're going to hold on to something, right? It, we, we tend to do that. And whenever you're scared, they call it being in, in flight or fright mode, right? You want to hold on to something, even clench yourself, right? There's a mountain hovering above them. They could die in an instant. They want, what is Allah telling them to hold on to? Hold on to the Torah. That's what's going to save you. Hold on to the Torah. Follow the Prophet. That's what's going to save you. Allah is reminding them. What did you do when we said that to you? When they were told, ma Hold what has been given to you, the Torah, بِقُوَّةٍ Firmly and strongly. وَاسْمَعُوا and listen. Not just listen. Listen involves listen and obey. What did they say? قَالُوا سَمِعْنَا They said we will listen. وَعَصَيْنَا And we will disobey. قَالُوا سَمِعْنَا وَعَصَيْنَا What were they supposed to say? سَمِعْنَا وَأَطَعْنَا Now the scholars of the Seer, they discuss this verse and they say Were they literally that bad that they said that out loud to the Prophet? Musa, سَمِعْنَا وَعَصَيْنَا Or is it سَمِعْنَا قَوْلَكْ وَعَصَيْنَاكَ بِأَفْعَالِنَا Some say they said we will obey But their actions show they didn't and that's the scholars that the most of the Muslims go, go to. They say that even then they promised, okay, we will be good now, we will start listening to you. They promised. But then after a while, they fell back into their habits. And Allah then says, وَأُشْرِبُوا فِي قُلُوبِهِمُ الْعِجْلَ بِكُفْرِهِمْ وَأُشْرِبُوا فِي قُلُوبِهِمْ الْعِجْلِ And the love of the calf that they were worshipping was poured into their hearts. They became people that loved shirk. May Allah protect us from that. Bikufrihim, bisabikufrihim, because of their rejection. As this implies that their love to, to do shirk was a punishment because of their rejection of Musa. And among the way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala punishes, people assume that the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is always something physical, right? Allah sends angels to destroy or, or people get hurricanes or it's not always or lightning, it's not always like that. The fact that Allah deprives from you the ability to repent, leaves you to sin. Wallahi, that's one of the greatest punishments. May Allah protect us from it. So Allah is saying that because of your, and this is one tafsir by the way, that because of your kufr, ushribu fi qulubihimul ijl. The love of the ijl that they were worshipping was put, poured into their heart. And the word ushribu is used, shariba, is to drink something. And some, it's almost like, have you ever seen a sponge? How it takes in the water. It's almost that they took in love of shirk like that. There's another interesting tafsir that Ibn Kathir mentions and others that Mufassir as well, that the drinking here is, is literal. Is literal. Because what did Musa do? In Surah Al-Taha you will see uh, a man named Samiri was behind the whole thing. He was his name was Samiri. Allah mentions a man called Samiri in the Quran. Samiri was one of the was the person behind the fashioning and the making of the scarf that will be worshipped. And what he did was it was Angel Jibreel 
who was riding a horse, uh, wherever his horse would land, it would grow, uh, um, it would grow vegetation. And he saw that, and he started collecting that, and and then that plus the gold that they came with, he put it together, and then he fashioned this thing, and it would make a noise. And then he convinced everyone, "Hada ilahu wa ilahu Musa fanasi." Musa is confused and gone. This is when Musa went to receive the Torah. He said he forgot. This is your ilah. Worship this. And many of the Bani Israel started worshiping. Harun, who was among them, tried to stop them, uh, and many of the Bani Israel didn't, and, and many of them did. This is when Musa comes back, he gets really angry, he has a Torah with him, he starts um, uh, uh, getting angry at Harun. How could you let this happen? Didn't I tell you? Why, if they did this, why didn't you just come and follow me? And then Harun pleads with him and says, uh, Harun says, listen, uh, first of all, let my beard go. So it implied that he grabbed his beard. Don't grab my head or my beard. And then, by the way, some of the scholars, they say, the sunnah of having a beard, you can see from this verse as well. Don't grab my beard. Prophets were not clean shaven. Right? And sunnah to have your beard. Of course, to grow your beard. Um, but, لا بلحيتي ولا برأسي and then he said, "Inni khashitu an taqula farrakta bin Ibrahim." You know, I, I was worried that you would have said, "If I just left the believers and let the Bani Israel that went to worship the the, the calf to let them be, I was afraid you would have said you split the community apart, may turn them into two groups." So the concept of coming together and staying together, Harun understood its importance. But we should only stay together upon truth. So Musa then says, فَمَا خُطْبُكَ يَا سَامِرِي So what's your story, O Samiri? Why did you do this? And the Samiri starts saying, بَصَرْتِ مَا لَمْ يَبْصُرُوا بِهِ فَقَبَطُوا قَبْطَةً مِنْ أَثَرِ رَسُولِ فَنَبَثْتُهَا وَكَذَلِكَ He starts mentioning his reasons. So what did Musa do? Musa destroyed the idol. And then he burnt it. And he threw the ashes into the ocean. He threw the ashes into the ocean. And then, this is where the story comes back. And their hearts absorbed, right? Or, 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 or this is one tafsir, and the main tafsir is that it was their hearts, they took in the love of the ijil. But this other tafsir that I'm telling you, they were made to drink that water. You know how he spread the ashes of the ijil? They were then all made to drink that water, and anyone who still loved shirk, who was still infatuated by that, who still wanted to, then they would, the, the signs would become apparent from them. Some say that they would turn into the same color as the ijil was. Now this is mentioned, this is one of the stories that Ibn Kathir mentions, and this is why the word shariba is used to drink something, that they physically drank it. Whether they physically drank it, or they metaphorically drank it by, by their heart being poured with the love of the ijil, may Allah protect us from it, Allah is reminding them, Remember how you claimed we believe in our book, we're not going to believe in your book, O Muhammad? You never even believed in your own book to begin with. Because you killed many prophets, it doesn't say that in the Torah. You, Musa brought you all these clear signs, you refused to follow him. Uh, you worship the Ijil. This is who you people, what you people did. So don't you dare claim that you were true followers of the Torah. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Qul say to them, O Muhammad, how evil and worst indeed it is that which your faith commands you. Is this the iman that you claim? When you said earlier, we believe that which has been revealed to us? No, you don't. If you truly believed in what was revealed to you, to Musa alayhi salam, you would have followed Isa, 
You will not follow Prophet Muhammad. You will not fall into shirk. You will not have done any of these things. So this is this is this was Allah Subhanahu wa Taala's answer to their claim. Muhammad, we don't need to follow you. We're just going to follow what we had before. And obviously, the other reason is, and we mentioned this before, it literally said in their books to follow Prophet Muhammad sallallahu and they were expecting him and they wanted to follow him like I mentioned last week that they used to say to them to the Arabs when the final prophet comes watch out we were all destroyed so they were waiting for a final prophet and when he came like Allah mentions when that which what they knew and recognized came they denied then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in verse 94 starts describing the Yahud and he tells the prophet say to them قل, say to them if you are the only people that uh, the Akhirah belongs to Because the Yahud believed that the hereafter belongs to them They are the only ones that are going to go to Jannah They said We are the children of God And the only one that he loves They said Fire will not touch us Except for a few days We will not be punished except for a few days who can tell me why they mentioned those few days? Why would they say the fire will not touch us for a few days? They're counting the days they worshipped the Ijl. So yeah, fair enough. We were wrong in that. We will be punished for that. But after that, Jannah belongs to us. All right? And then Allah asked them a question. We mentioned this in earlier verses. When Allah said, قُلْ أَتَّخَدْتُمْ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ أَحَدًا Say to them, O Muhammad, did you make a promise with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Did you have a contract with Allah that you're not going to go to Hafra except for a few days? Right? And the whole idea, the whole concept Going to Jannah because of who you are We are Banu Israel, we deserve Jannah That has completely been destroyed That idea has been completely refuted In the Quran Where Allah taught us how you go to Jannah You don't go to Jannah because of ethnicity Because of family Because of who you're related to Abu Lahab, who is he related to? Prophet Muhammad sallallahu He's going to the hellfire Right? And uh, Nuh, his son when he asked him, Ya Bunay, irkab ma'ana, wa la takum ma'al kafirin. Right? Did he listen? He didn't. And then when Nuh pleads to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Oh Allah, uh, uh, my son, he asked him. Allah tells him, Innahu laysa min ahlik. He's not from your family. Innahu amal ghayru salih. Right? So, it's not about family or who you're related to. And Allah tells us how you go to Jannah and how you go to hellfire. How do you go to Jannah? Uh, how do you go to hellfire? بَلَا مَنْ كَسَبَ سَيِّئَةً وَحَاطَتْ بِهِ خَطِيئَةُ Whoever is sinful and their sin surrounds them, encompasses them. How does your sin encompass you when you have no way out? When you die upon kufr or shirk. But as long as you are a muwahid, a believer, your sins cannot drown you. As long as you have la ilaha illallah in your heart, your sins will not fully encompass you so that you will never enter, uh, enter Jannah. There is a way out for you. The door is open as long as you have Tawheed. But whoever dies with sin and with kufr, they go to hellfire. How do you go to Jannah? You do righteous actions and you believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It doesn't matter where you're from or who your family is or whether your father was a prophet or whatnot. They said, we are the children of God. Whatever that means. They said, who Allah loves us. They said, No one will enter Jannah. We'll get to that in the following weeks. They said, No one will enter Jannah. Except whoever is Yehud or from the Nasara. 
By the way, this doesn't mean that the Yehud and the Nasara believe that they, they, they both enter in Jannah. The tafsir is, وَقَالَتِ الْيَهُودُ لَنْ يَدْخُلُ الْجَنَّةِ إِلَّا مَنْ كَانَ هُودًا The Yehud said the only people that will enter Jannah is the Yehud. The Nasara said the only people that will enter Jannah is the Nasara. Right? And they're both wrong. Who will enter Jannah? Those who have faith and have good deeds. And follow the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So, but since they're claiming this, Allah is saying, say to them, okay, you're claiming that you're going to Jannah? Say to them, if the home of the hereafter truly belongs to you specially, especially for you, and not for the others of mankind, if that's the case, why are you still here? Wish for death. You're going to Jannah, right? Wish for death if you truly are telling the truth. So, what is I referring to? This ayah, uh, the scholars of Tafsir, they say, it is referring to the conversation that happened between Rasulullah and the Yahud, when they said, we will not follow you, when they claimed all these claims that they are Ahl Jannah, that uh, the Prophet called them to do a mubahala, what is known as a mubahala. What's a mubahala? It's mentioned in Surah Al-Imran, the Prophet did a mubahala with the Nasara as well, with the Christians as well, the Christians from Najran, the Prophet did a mubahala with them as well. What is a mubahala? Mubahala is when you say to, to So both parties are claiming they're upon the truth the, For example the Nasara were claiming That Isa was the son of Allah billah. The Muslims are claiming uh, Which is true That he's the prophet of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala And now to truly find out who's upon the truth There is a concept called Mubahala Which is Say to them Allah says in the Quran Say to them come Call your children, your woman folk yourselves. And we will call our children, our folk and ourselves. We come together. Then we do mubahala. And may the curse of Allah be upon the liars. So it is a place where you come together and you say, may, may the curse of Allah be upon us if we're wrong and if you're lying. And may the curse of Allah be among you and upon you if you're lying. So it's a heavy statement, especially coming from the Prophet wasallam, right? This is what's a mubahala. So the, the Yahud, and of course, if you're wrong, then this would be a cause of destruction and death for you, your family and your people. So the Yahud know this, and deep down they know the prophets upon the truth. So they refuse to do it. They backed out. And this is when Allah is saying, say to them, if you truly believe the hereafter is yours alone, khalisatan, especially, in the lie with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it's yours alone, without the rest of the people, then wish for that. You shouldn't be afraid of a mubahala, right? In either case, you're going to Jannah. If you are truthful. Another tafsir that some of the ulama mentioned is that it was more of a question posed to them of, listen, if you're so sure you're going to Jannah, then you shouldn't be afraid of death And it was known that the Yahud were particularly afraid of death Even their war tactics The Arabs were people that The Arabs, even the Mushrikeen of the Arabs uh, Although they loved to live as well And they hated death But they weren't as scared of it as the Yahud And you can tell that from their culture They were people that loved battle And they would go out in battle and fight In the open field But the Yahud they would fight behind castle doors. And that was known for them. Allah mentioned that in Surah Al-Hashar as well. And they had uh, forts, 
right? And this was the, the, this is how they used to used to uh, even battle, and they used to avoid wherever they could as well, and they would only enter into battles they were sure they were going to win. So they were very calculated. So they were known for this kind of habit. And uh, Allah talks about this, and Allah mentions this. So this is the question. Wait, but you know you're going to do the You believe you're going to Jannah. You shouldn't be scared of death. You should welcome it. Contrast that with the companions of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam who didn't fear death, who didn't fear death. And the Muslim, they, there's nothing wrong with being scared of dying. Right? This is very natural. But there should be a part of you, there should be a part of you that also longs to meet Allah subhanahu wa taala. Longs to meet Allah The Prophet ﷺ used to make dua This is something you all have to kind of check in yourself sometimes Do I have that? The Prophet said in the dua Oh Allah, give me a shawq ila liqa'ik Give me an eagerness to meet you give me, Provide me with this shawq ila liqa'ik and, and, the, and, and grant me the gift of seeing your beautiful face So the Prophet is saying there is this, this, there is this, there's this uh, eagerness to meet your creator Allah Almighty and the Prophet said in a hadith, Man ahabba liqa'a Allah, ahabba Allahu liqa'ahu. Whoever wishes to meet Allah, Allah wishes to meet you. And in another, in another verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Man kana yarju liqa'a Allah, fa inna ajarallahi la'at. Whoever hopes to meet Allah, then that day will come. So a part of you should have that, and the believer, that is a part of you that should And at the same time, it makes sense that the person is not ready to go, and death is something scary, the unknown, all of that, that's perfectly fine. But not to an extreme level, right? And because if it comes to an extreme level, then it becomes uh, more a love for this dunya. A love for a world we know is coming to an end. And we know death is coming to us. Absolutely, everyone is going to die. So prepare for it as much as you can. But also have in your heart a hope to meet the most merciful. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us among those he showers his mercy with. So Allah asked them this question. Say to them, if you truly claim that you're the only people that are going to Jannah, then you should wish for death if you are truthful. And then Allah said, And they will never wish for it. They will never long for it. بِمَا قَدَّمَتْ أَيْدِيهِمْ For it is because of what their hands have sent before them Meaning for what they have done They know how criminal they are They knew how criminal they were They knew how much they lied How much they distorted the Torah How much they lied about the Prophet How much they, they knew that So they were not willing to meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala And they're scared of death Because they are not even fully convinced of their own lies وَاللَّهُ عَلِيمٌ بِالظَّالِمِينَ And Allah knows And is aware of the wrongdoers And the mushrikun وَلَتَجِدَنَّهُمْ And you will find them, O Muhammad, you will find them. أَحْرَصَ النَّاسِ عَلَى حَيَاءِ The greediest of mankind for life. The people that are the, they work the hardest for this life. They want to live the longest. It will be the Yahud. وَمِنَ الَّذِينَ أَشْرَكُوا And they are even more greedier to live than the people that commit shirk. Why? Is this the Mushrikun? It's known that they didn't believe in the hereafter. They didn't believe in the hereafter, right? The Meccans they didn't believe in the hereafter. They were they were idol worshippers, but they didn't believe in the hereafter. This is why when the Rasulullah told them there's going to be a hereafter, they said, If you become dust and bones, we will be resurrected. So they denied resurrection. They denied resurrection. So it makes sense that they want to live. This is the only thing they know. 
right? So it kind of makes sense if someone doesn't believe in hereafter, they want to live as long and as comfortable and as possible, and they are heavily invested in the dunya because for them there is no concept of akhirah. Don't we see that today? People that say this is the only thing that exists, so they pour all their energy and all their heart in this world. The Muslim is semi-detached from this world. The Muslim is not fully involved in this world and is only thinking about amassing wealth and living here and that's it. Yes, you try your best, you live a good life, but this is the true believer by the way, but Allah makes us among those. Your mind is elsewhere. Some of the Salaf used to say, Kunu abna al Be the children of the hereafter. Think about it. You should be in thinking about hereafter. Thinking about where you're going to end up. Planning your home in Jannah. Sending money to your account for the hereafter. How do you do that? By giving sadaqah, right? Giving sadaqah. And this is why the mentality, think about this. If you're the kind of person when you give sadaqah, you feel like you lost money, you're involved in dunya. Because in the dunya, yes, you lost money. But if you're thinking about the hereafter, you're like, alhamdulillah, I put something in my bank. Right? I put something forward for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So it's a mentality thing. When you take that money out and you put that in the pocket for the Jum'ah collection, or when you sign uh, that, um, that form that's going to give money on a monthly basis, or you sponsor that orphan, if your mindset is, oh, wallahi, my, I just lost a little bit, then you're involved in this world. But if you're like, alhamdulillah, I need to send more, I need to do more, then that's when you're in the right mindset. Allah is saying to the Yahud, listen, you actually believe in a Yawm Al-Qiyamah. You should somehow long for it. But you love this world even more than the people that don't believe except in this world. You will find them to be among the people that are the most, uh, putting the most effort into a life. Allah said Hayat and didn't say Al-Hayat. And there's a difference there. If you say It would mean They are the people that put the most effort Into making themselves a life That's worth living But when you say hayat without the L It means any type of life They don't care as long as they're alive Whether you live in, in humility and humiliation Or in dignity To them it doesn't matter as long as you're alive And when you're that kind of person and All you're worried about is your own self-preservation You don't have principles outside of the self Just like as long as I'm alive so then, this is, this is the why, uh, this is not the way of the Muslim. You want to live in Izzah and dignity. And you want to die for something great. Right? You want to die for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Or die in service. You want to die in sujood. You want to die a day that you are fasting. That you're doing good. Right? You have a sense of, of, of more than just this world. Right? And this is how the Muslim is. But Allah is telling the Yahud, you're claiming to be Ahl Jannah. Yet you're scared of death. You're claiming to be Ahl Jannah, yet you love this world more than those that don't believe in the hereafter. You're claiming to be Ahl Jannah, and yet you're acting like this. One of them would love. If he was giving a lifespan of a thousand years. So you get a thousand years, they would take it. And Allah says, if one of them wishes they could be given a life for a thousand years, but even if they were given that, that would not save them from the hellfire. Wallahu basirun bima ya'malun. And Allah is watchful and the all-seer over what they do. These ayat, ikhwani fillah, they are basically describing the state of the Yahud. First of all, you deny the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. 
Then you claim the reason you're denying him is because you follow Prophet Musa. Then Allah proved that they never followed Musa to begin with. Then they claim that they were people that will go to Jannah and them alone. And then Allah said, if that's the case, then why are you so, so fearful of meeting your Lord? Why are you so fearful of death? Why are you more invested into living this life and this life alone than those that don't even believe in a hereafter? And then Allah said, even if you got a thousand years, it doesn't matter. That will not save you from the punishment for the, for the crimes you've committed, for your kufr, for your denial. And remember, Wallahu Basir, Allah is the all-seer. Bima ya'maloon, what they are doing. I'm going to conclude here. The following verses will speak about some of the crazy and uh, stupid claims they made to the Prophet ﷺ because they had to wiggle out somehow. And they will start saying to Prophet Muhammad ﷺ, Wallahi, we would believe you. We would believe you, O Muhammad. Fair enough. You mentioned all this, we will believe you. But we have one problem. What's the problem? Mm, Jibreel. He brings you the wahi. And we can't have that. Jibreel is mushkila. He is, uh, historically, he would bring punishments. We don't like him. Mikail, if he is bringing you the Quran, we will follow you. This is what they said. And then Allah said, قُلْ مَنْ كَانَ عَدُوٌ لِلَّهِ وَمَلَائِكَتِهِ وَجِبْرِيلَ وَمِكَالَ فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ عَدُوٌ لِلْكَافِرِينَ We will discuss next week, inshallah ta'ala, what was the reason of revelation? And why did they claim they hated Jibreel and loved Mikail? And, 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 and inshallah ta'ala, we will continue uh, the conversation between the Yehud and Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. We will conclude here. Barakallahu fikum hadha akhru da'wan alhamdulillah rabbil alayhi wa sallam alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. This recording was produced by Green Lane Masjid. For more information on the activities and services the mosque provides, please visit www.greenlanemasjid.org.